word and turn with me to the book of Philippians. We'll be continuing our study in Philippians 3, and specifically we'll be looking at tonight verses 12 through 16. But for context, we're going to back up and we're going to actually begin reading what we started last week, which uh, begins in verse 8. So Philippians 3, starting in verse 8, reading through verse 16. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word and the instructions you've given to us. May you give us eyes and ears to hear and see the truth that you have prepared for us this evening. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. So those of you that know me well know that I enjoy running. I like going for casual jogs. I like running 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, and an occasional marathon. I like watching it on TV. I like reading about it and even learning about new technology and running. Well, one of the most significant running events actually happened back in 290 BC when a soldier by the name of Pheidippides was tasked to run from the battlefield back to Athens, Greece, in report of victory covering the sum 25 miles. And when he had run all the way back to Athens and had reported um, this victory, he promptly fell down and died. And uh, we all know that this battle occurred at the city of Marathon, and that's where we get the first marathon that occurred. Well, this story of Pheidippides is a not exactly... I don't think what Paul had in mind for the race that we run as Christians, but it is a physical example of the spiritual truth that he is trying to teach us. And so we have from Scripture a number of metaphors that explain or describe the Christian walk that we encounter. It's described as a battle, as a war. 
It's sometimes a fight. And here in the text that we read this evening, we have descriptions of a race. And this is a common theme throughout the New Testament as we know that we are to finish the race. We are to run the race with endurance. And we find this language of pressing on, striving, straining in the race that Paul is running, and he's writing this letter to encourage the Philippians. He's providing them an example of endurance. He wants them to persevere, and namely, he wants them to finish well. And that's where we find in our text tonight, and we'll see this in three different ways. First, we'll see Paul's examination. Secondly, we'll look at Paul's exhortation or exertion. And then finally, his exhortation. So Paul's examination, exertion, and his exhortation. But before we actually dive into the text in verse 12, we need to go back as we began reading in verse 8. Because if you look with me um, through 12 through 16, you'll notice that there are a number of pronouns. We see just in verse 12, obtain this. Um, press on to make it my own. But he doesn't really tell us in our text exactly what this or it is. So we go back to verse 8, and we read what it is. I count everything as loss, and here it is, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He continues this in verse 10 expanding upon that thought, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering. So that's what this is. That is the race and the the goal that Paul is pursuing is to know the surpassing worth of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And that's the same challenge that he makes for us as we're running the race of life. So look with me at verse 12, where we read, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. So we see here, Paul says, I'm not perfect, as he does his self-examination. He knows that he has not actually reached the finish line. He's still running the race of this life, as we all are in our Christian walk. He can see behind him at what God has taken him through, but he hasn't quite yet reached the end. And like many of you, I've seen in times past video clips where you may have a runner running a race and all of a sudden he's out in front and he starts waving his hands in the air in victory only to get passed at the last second or... uh, I saw one particular video where it was a soccer match and it came to penalty kicks at the end. And the fielder kicked the ball and it hit the crossbar and bounced up in the air and the goalkeeper ran out of the goal, slid on his knees before the crowd and was punching his fists into the air. But as the ball came down and it rotated and it bounced about five feet in front of the goal, it eventually rolled in to his dismay. And Paul doesn't want to make the mistake of thinking 
that he's reached the end. He's still in the middle of the fight. He is still running the race. And we see this clearly in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 7, as he talks about the fact that the very things he knows he's supposed to do are the very things he's not doing. And the very things he's not supposed to do, those are the things he finds him doing. And he declares, who will save me from this body of death? Then he declares, thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's what he wants us to declare. He wants us to see in our weakness, coming to the end of ourselves, and saying, who will save us from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And throughout our text, and in this context, we know that Paul is in the midst of the race now. He's, he's looking back. It's, it's not the start of the race, because we know that he has been saved. His sin has been cleansed. He has been justified before a holy and righteous God. But where he is right now, God is continuing to sanctify him and make him more and more like him. Because what he has his eyes on is the future, where one day he will be glorified, and there will be no more pain, and there will be no more tears. And he will see Jesus Christ face to face, and he will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servants. And so you see the three aspects of the Christian walk of being justified as our sins are forgiven, being sanctified as we're still carrying around the sin that we deal with each and every day that we have to repent of daily and take up our cross as we look forward to the future glory that God has in store for us in our hope to be with him in glory, in our glorified state. And it's kind of like, you know, that Paul is um, climbing a mountain. So he says, I'm going to press on to the goal. And he can turn around and he can see that he's not at the bottom anymore. But he's, he's not at the top either. I'm, I'm not who I used to be, but God's not quite done with me yet. So he has his eyes firmly fixed on the peak of Jesus Christ as he continues through this race of life. It's almost like if you can think about um, running a race, and maybe some of you have seen a relay race, where they pass the baton from one to the other. And as that baton is getting passed, the person in front of them is straining back as much as they can to grasp that baton before it's put on. That, that's the pressing on that Paul has here, is the straining forward in order to obtain the greatness of Jesus Christ, to become more and more like him each and every day. As he says, I press on to make it my own. And why? He gives the reason. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. So we know the purpose behind what Paul is doing 
is a dedicated focus to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And really, that's the challenge that each and every one of us face as we go about our daily walk, is we want to press on to continue forward, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ each and every day. Because when you're running a race, there's no time to coast. You have an unsatisfied satisfaction. You have salvation, but we know that's not the end all. God is not done with you at that point. He continues to work on you, and he continues to refine you as each and every day you go through a process of repentance and drawing closer to him, and you bear more and more the image of Christ in your life. So we see Paul's examination. Look with me at verse 13 as we look at Paul's exertion. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and perhaps you stop right there and you think, one thing. If you know anything about Paul, you know he's never really doing one thing. I like what Sinclair Ferguson has said. He says, the thing about Paul, many people say he's doing a thousand different things. But if you look at Paul's life closely, He's not doing a thousand different things. He's doing one thing a thousand different ways. And that one thing he does in his life is he is glorifying Jesus Christ. And so that reminded me a little bit as we just celebrated St. Patrick's Day. And so before there was green beer, before there were shamrocks and leprechauns, pots of goals and rainbows and lucky charms, There was back in the um, 5th century, St. Patrick. If you know a little bit about the story, he was kidnapped as a boy about 14, 15 age, um, taken to Ireland. He eventually did escape at the age of 20 before the Lord called him back to the Irish to go and be a missionary in that particular nation. And one of the things that is attributed to St. Patrick is St. Patrick's breastplate. There's about 11 different stanzas that include with this, but let me just read you a little bit of the um, sections eight and nine from the overall, and we'll see if St. Patrick's focus lines up with what we see with Paul. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right hand. Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I wonder if our lives has that same dedication, that same singular focus of Jesus Christ. That that is, we may do a thousand different things, but everything is driving towards the glory of Jesus Christ in us. That everyone who sees us, everyone that encounters us, they would see Christ and they would glorify him. So as we go on, it says, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. And what is, what's he forgetting? Well, 
really told us in the context of the previous verses where all the things that he had done in his life, baptized on the eighth day, circumcised, or sorry, circumcised on the eighth day, and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And what does he do? He had, he had composed the perfect Jewish resume. But what he's saying is he rips up this resume, throws it in the trash, and he prints up a new one. And across the top, he prints Jesus Christ. And that's his singular focus. That's what everything that he does lines up underneath his Savior. And so those are the things that he is counting on. Those are the things that he is striving for. He has put his past behind us. But I think there's another way that we need to forget our past as well. It's equally applicable is sometimes we have a difficult time forgetting our past sins. We need to remember the consequences. We need to learn from our past mistakes. But when our sins become debilitating, when they paralyze us, that's when we need to forget and we need to focus on Jesus Christ and the salvation and the forgiveness of sins that is provided in him. So we have Paul forgetting about his sins. And then what does it say next? It says, He's straining forward to what lies ahead. So this straining, it's not a casual stroll, but there is an effort that is there. It's almost as though as Paul's moving forward and striving to be more like Christ, he's saying, I don't ever want to sin again. But if I do, I know that I have an advocate in Wednesday evenings with the youth, we're, we're going through and we've been studying the life of Peter. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter knew what it was like to fall. He had the Philippi confession and then turns around and says, far be it, Lord, for you to have to suffer and die. And Christ rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. He steps out in faith on the boat to walk on water with Jesus. And then he begins to sink because he doubts. Peter, why did you doubt? He says, oh, if everybody turns away, I will never turn away. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. If anyone knew what it was like to fall short, it was Peter. But yet, Peter was restored. The Lord came to Peter and he restored him. He forgave his sins you compare that to really what happened to Judah, what happened Judas. Judas went and he hung himself. And you think, well, what's the difference? Well, Peter looked upward. Judas looked inward. And as we go throughout our lives, we know that we're going to stumble. We know that we are going to fall as we strain forward. But where do you look? Do you look inward? Or do you look upward? And Lord willing, we will all be like Paul, who is straining forward to the upward call, pressing forward, pressing on to the goal of the prize um, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so as we focus 
on our lives as we're running this race, we run in such a way with the intention of never falling again, knowing that we have an advocate. And when we fall, we look upward and we ask for forgiveness and we repent and we press on towards Jesus Christ. So we've seen Paul's examination and we've seen Paul's exertion. Let's look third and finally at Paul's exhortation in verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if you, any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. So he says, if you're mature, you know that you have not arrived. You know that you have not crossed the finish line. There's still work that God is doing to you. And it's true of every one of us Christians. We can look in the rearview mirror. We can say, I've sinned in the past, and I'm really not exactly where I should be right now. But I want to press on to Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that as a mature believer, I don't know everything. I like the quote from Mark Twain who said, when I was a boy of 14, my old man was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have him around. But by the time I turned 21, I was amazed at how much he'd learned in just seven years. (laughs) And isn't that true of us? The more we learn, the more we understand that we don't know. And it is an amazing thing that the gospel message is so simple, a child can grasp it, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life, that he gave his life up, was crucified on the cross, buried in the ground, and rose again and is seated at the right hand of God. And through belief in him, we can have forgiveness of sins. So simple that even a child can understand it. Yet, all of us can study and read for all of eternity of the wisdom of God and never plumb the depths of his greatness and of his love and mercy for us. So he calls us to be mature. And then next you'll see, um, continuing in verse 15, God will reveal that to you others. If anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. And it reminds me of the verse in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and doesn't rebuke you. So if there's something that we don't understand, we know that we can go to God and he will reveal us. The Bible tells us, seek and you will find. God has made himself known through his word and he will allow us to continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of him as we grow as Christians, as we're running through this Christian life. He goes on to tell us in verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. And he's telling us, remain, hold true to what you know. Reminds me a little bit of a zip tie, you know, as you pull through the loose end, through the loop. Once the teeth grab, it doesn't back up. It just continues to go forward. There's only one option. That's the way that it should be for us is that we're pressing on. We're moving forward. We're not going backwards. The Lord wants us to continue forward. And sometimes you've got to remember what you know. You've got to go back to 
the truths and the promises that God has given to us. When I was, had the opportunity back in 2016, I was on a question and answer board um, in Nigeria at a conference that I was able to attend. And we got the question that someone had asked and says, yeah, but how can you know that you're saved? I mean, I, I understand the truth, but, but how can you really know? How do I know that I'm not just honoring God with my lips, but my heart is far from him? Because you don't understand, I, I fall down all the time. I sin each and every day. Well, really, the Bible gives us the answer to that. In the book of 1 John, if you go through and you look, and if you have the opportunity this next week, go through and underline every time it talks about abiding, remaining, continuing. The same thing can be found in the Gospel of John, John 15, where it talks about the vine and the branches, where it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. When you remain in Jesus Christ... When you fall down and you get up and you don't look upward, but you continue to look, I mean, not inward, you continue to look upward and you focus on Christ and you remain in him because we're going to fall down. But the question is, what do you do when you fall? Do you look inward or do you look upward? If you continue we, we don't want to continue in our sin, but we know that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have comfort. He talks, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter as well as in, in Roman, Romans is that um, all who believe in him will be saved, will not be put to shame. We will not be put to shame so we can have confidence that when we trust in Jesus Christ, we can hold true to his promise and we will not be put to shame when we abide in him. When we abide, we don't just visit for a short period of time. That's where you live. That's where you hang out. That's where your dwelling is. When your dwelling is with Christ, that is when you're abiding in him. So as I wrap up, we'll go through two quick applications. As we've looked at Paul's examination, Paul's exertion, and finally Paul's exhortation, two applications. We need to do a regular examination of our own lives. Why do you do the things that you do? We're all building a resume. We all are putting things on our list of our accomplishments. But the question is, what's the name at the top? Why do you do the things that you do each and every day? Is it for a self-gratification? Or is it to glorify our Lord and Savior? Are you doing a thousand different things or are you doing one thing a thousand different ways? Second, so the first, we need to regular, regularly examine ourselves. Secondly, we need to finish well. There's a thing in running when um, you actually run the last segment faster than the first segment, and it's called a negative split. 
So you get faster and faster as you go. That's the way that it should be with us as believers. We should be getting, gaining momentum as we go. We should be getting faster and faster and running stronger and stronger so that we reach, when we reach the finish line, we will have finished well. There's that saying that says, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And for Paul, the Lord's commands were not grievous, but he delighted in the race that he was running because he knew what he was running for. And in this race of life, it's guaranteed that you will endure strife. But press on, even, the road, if, if, even though the road is not smooth, press on. Because when you run with Christ, you will never, ever lose. Press on. Focus on Christ. All of Christ. Only Christ. Finish well. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you have given us your words of instruction Lord, that you have given us hope in Jesus Christ, knowing that we are running a race, Lord. You have saved us, but Lord, we are on a journey, straining forward to the prize that you have promised to us. May we stay firmly focused on you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.